What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. Diamond Styles is the editorial consultant on Insider's recent investigative series called Deaths in the Family. Insider collected thousands of pages of documents to assemble the most comprehensive database of transgender homicides to date. They also spoke with friends, family, and communities across the country to uncover stories of people murdered by partners, parents, dates, clients, and police officers from 2017 to 2021. Diamond is a black trans activist and the executive director of Black Trans Women, Inc., a national nonprofit that is led by black trans women focused on social advocacy, positive visibility, and building strong leadership among black trans advocates, activists, and their allies. She also produces a podcast called Marsha's Plate, which is hosted by three black trans people exploring pop culture and current events from a black trans feminist lens. Busy woman. Good morning, Diamond. (laughs) Good morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Diamond, talk to me about the impetus for this for this series. Like, what, what was burning in your belly to get this moving? So when I was brought on to this project, I thought it was so powerful because nobody had ever, that I had seen, had ever put this amount of resources into getting this data. Like, we have a couple of people like that were invested, but usually people who are organizers, small organizers on the ground, doing things like myself and Monica Roberts when she was alive, the late Monica Roberts. Um, but nobody had ever like invested this much, this, this labor and this, this time and money. And I was like, oh, my God, I, I'm, I'm so glad and honored to be a part of this project. So we needed it because there was so much misinformation, so many people speculating. And so now that we have the data, I think it's something that um, we can use in the future. So that's what was important to me. Talk about that, the, the importance of the data, the importance of getting these strategies out there. How does that then feed organizing um, that is happening on the ground to improve material conditions for trans lives? So this gives us a glimpse into um, what like Patricio Collins would call like the matrix of domination when it comes to that black trans women, black trans people in, in general, and what makes us more susceptible to violence and harm and injustice and at unusual rates. This, this, this is just information. So we're not just grasping at straws um, of why this is. This is this lets us know, this data lets us know that, that the socioeconomic stuff that is in our lives, that the systematic barriers that keeps us close off from basic needs like housing, health care, and the ability to, you know, um, earn a living wage, those things lead, are directly connected to um, our, the violence that we experience, the intimate partner violence that we experience, the, um, you know, all of the things that makes any human, but definitely a human um, with our intersecting identities more successful. Diamond, I've actually been wrestling with how to ask you this question since last night, but um, I'd Mm -hmm. like you to paint a picture for folks, right? What it's like, because like I struggle, like trying to when I try to talk to white folks about when when because I talk about black people like every time we leave the house we're hunted. You know, it feels like we're hunted, right? And then when we get home mm-hmm. and we can lock the doors, we made it through one more day. Um, and folks don't really understand. And I'd I'd like you to try to explain to my listeners what the day in day out threats of violence feel like sitting on the shoulders of trans folks, particularly black trans folks. Oh wow! So. 
what recently what we all have experienced with COVID. Okay, think about COVID. When we first, that first like early January, March, February, <laughs> when we first went into lockdown, all that kind of stuff. Think about what we had to deal with. Think about we had, there was something out in the world that people didn't know about, people were educated about that was, that could potentially harm us, right? Right. And we couldn't, um, we couldn't go, we couldn't go out of the house or we feel isolated to stay in the house because there's something that we don't know. It's the same way with trans people. When I go out on the, on the bus, on the train to go to work, there could be somebody I sit next to that could literally attack me because I sat next to them on a train or a bus. Uh, just because they clock that I'm a trans person. Um, also, think about healthcare. When you go to when you when people would go to the hospital when they had COVID, even the doctors didn't know what to do. <laughs> and so when we go as go to the hospital as trans people, particularly when you don't have like y'all are in California, when you're in places like Texas and Arkansas and Mississippi that don't have any kind of healthcare for us, any kind of protocol. You go into this place and they don't, they act like you are an alien because they don't know what you are. They don't know anything about you. <laughs> and they pretend to act like they don't, can't even say the right pronoun. So you go into this healthcare system and you feel isolated like you don't have any help. And I, I make that COVID reference because it's the first time that we as a nation have experienced what, what trans people similarly have been living even before COVID. The isolation, the people not understanding, the harm, the potential harm. That is what it reminds me of. And so for me, it is going, another element is going to work and you just want to work and now you got to deal with somebody's discrimination who may be your boss, who may be your coworker, who somebody outing you, somebody, um, you know, you want to be out because you should be free to be whoever you are, but you can't That's be right. because then it opens up the, the dangers of, <laughs> getting fired when you don't have the protections. And we just got the protections in 2020. Right. And the protections yeah. on the on the books, you feel what I'm saying? Protections on the books doesn't mean the culture don't mean, changes. Listen, that part, right? <laughs> so we were just talking, you know, to Matt Drange about his piece around the police murders of trans folks. And, um, you know, e each of the mm -hmm. folks, the five um, that are covered in that article, we're dealing with mental health issues. And so I want to spend a minute talking about how the reality that you just described and all of the other ways in which trans bodies are oppressed, the mental and emotional impact of that and what resources mm -hmm. do or, let's say, do not exist for trans folks and the level, the, the, the level of suicides that happen in the trans community. Oh, God. Um, I want to point out that suicide is definitely ravishing um, the trans masculine experience. Um, um, you know, usually trans women are murdered by their intimate partners, but trans masculine, because they don't have support, sometimes the suicide rate is much, much higher with them. So I want to really emphasize that. Um, what I, what I want to point out is the vitriol of the national culture of politics that is waging war on trans people with no regard to how it affects our lives. There, there was almost 270 anti-LGBT bills, most of them targeting trans people in um, 2021. And so using those things, using transness as a dog whistle to rally their base and to get funding. And this is on both sides, Democrat and Republican. 
when it's not in, when really they're using us as a dog whistle to rally their base, but it's not really being effective because we're not even seeing tons of particularly high voter turnout. <laughs> so right. you add that vitriol, and that's been going on since 2000, since um, 2015 because that's when right. gay marriage passed. Remember, prior— And Trump's the, campaign you know, started. When, when, Yes, exactly. Yep. When the politicians would, when it, they had to prove if they were on the sides of the LGBT, they would ask them, what is your stance on gay marriage? But now that that passed, they got to go to something else. And trans is the new frontier. Okay? And so ever since then, we have had this vitriol that's happening on the national stage. So, of course, unlike money and economics, that trickle down was ease. <laughs> that honey, <laughs> and they and, and, and it affects people on the on the ground. The people look at Dave Chappelle, look at all these things. Literally, I've never been called alphabet people until Dave Chappelle said it. So all of these things easily trickle down to the regular people who want to demonize, who want to harm us, who want to disrespect us. And so you add that to the shame and isolation of men who are intimately involved with trans women, um, that that rules uh, a patriarchy set up so they can't even be honest about their sexuality, about their identity, um, to the culture of rape violence that's against all women, but especially black women. You know, this database shows the results in regards, in regards to that. And then when we get to the police neglect and the indifference, even the systems that protect them and hide the quote-unquote bad apples in the force, that would abuse their power and harm us. When we get to when we add all of these six things together, it's like a, a a dang tornado of foolishness, and we are the victims. We are the casualties. I, even here in Houston, some programs we can't even use the programs unless we go to the police. So, say me, an abolitionist who does not want to be involved with the police at all, I literally, if I got abused by a man, to go to the women's shelter, I literally have to go to the police to even get accepted in that shelter. <laughs> so we need resources. And, and then you have, you know, other places around the country who have a little bit more resources, like, you know, like San Francisco, for example. Y'all have, have tons of resources. Y'all even have tons of um, pillars of trans leaders do, creating um, work and creating um, grants for them to get housing, grants for them to get jobs and own businesses. We don't have none of that. It's a desert out here in Texas, but that's exactly why we have the highest rate of trans murders. Because right. we don't have I, those kind of socioeconomic resources to help us get further along so we are protected for some of these, some of these barriers that are naturally just happening within the system. Right. I have a bunch of other questions I want to ask you, but you just took me in two different places. The first, I wasn't going to bring up Dave, but you did. You brought up Dave Chappelle. And I, I, mm -hmm. I, I want you to talk just a bit about, right, because comedy, you know, people will say, well, comedy makes fun of everybody, right? No one's off limits. I want you to talk about why what Dave Chappelle said was harmful. And it's not just Dave Chappelle, right? Other comics do it as well. And um, but, that's, but that's kind of a lie. Go ahead. People talk about comedy in a sense of comedy harms everybody but yes i mean comedy attacks everybody but yes you can but th there's certain comedy that gets consequences when you talk about the jews yep. baby you will be canceled look at what they do in the kanye west and whatever that other basketball player name is you you will get canceled there will be financial consequences to your action <laughs> when you when look at the comedian that was saying um the the n-word <laughs> They will get canceled. 
they're, they're, we are selective about the consequences that happen when people make jokes. Look at what they did to Kathy Griffin when she was jokingly holding up a fake head of Donald Trump. Canceled. Yeah, sure <laughs> so was. there are consequences to women. There are consequences. Look at, uh, and this is not a, this is not comedy, but you, this is a similar idea. Look at how they treated Chrisette Michelle for singing for Donald Trump. Do I agree with that? Yeah. But there's tons of people who have been canceled and now they done come back having a flourishing career, Chris Brown, but we still dog it out. Chrisette Michelle, she still, her career still ain't bounced back from that. It is, right. we are very selective of the people that we get, that we push to get consequences for their comedy and their acting and their wrongdoings. And they're, they're also, we're very selective of when we forgive people and allow them to go on with their life. And it's usually right. women, <laughs> black women, and, um, and marginalized people who get the brunt of the unforgiveness and, and the brunt of being able, not being able to be free with their comedy. But when it comes to men, <laughs> particularly black men, particularly white men, when it, when it comes to those people who are in power, in, on in, on any level, they are usually able to be free with their comedy without consequences. And so with Dave Chappelle, he is just putting fodder out into the world that people are using to attack us. Like I said, one of his one of his um specials, he was like the alphabet people, yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. somebody was on the bus while I was on the bus standing, and they called me the alphabet people. That may not be some it, that might not be Dave Chappelle's fault, but you created that slur. Right. And that can lead to me fighting somebody on the train. That can lead to me fighting somebody on the bus. You're, it, 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 these are the things that add to the drop of the bucket that leads people to demonize us, that leads people to not care about us, to dehumanize us. These are the things. And when we think about, um, you know, old school comedians like Moms Maisley. Yeah. Groundbreaking. Yes, they, yes, they talk stuff, but they did it in a smart way. There's a way for you to not... Um, um, punch down. There is a way. You are a rich white man living, I mean, rich black man living in Ohio with your Asian wife. Right. <laughs> who have been, um, who ha you have been catering to white um, audience for now. Now all of a sudden you've got a racial analysis and you think you can just say whatever you want to say. No, that's not how it works. You have to be conscious about how, what the, the statements that you're making. And it was not conscious to me. Yeah, I've been going. I've been I've been sitting in this for for a while, a, a couple of years now, actually, because I'm um, working on this piece that deals with uh, racism in the LGBTQ community, and particularly among white trans mm -hmm. folks, right, against black bodies, what? and um, dramaturging this piece. And the conversation we've literally been having for three years is like, how do we tell the truth without causing harm? Right? How right. do we take care of our trans relatives and have the conversations that you're supposed to have in the theater? But being cognizant of that and conscious of that, and yeah, it takes a little mm -hmm. bit more time and effort, but I don't know how to go about it any other way. So I really want to thank you for that framing because I, I, I really do think a lot of people are like, well, I don't get it. Um, and so we need to say it more. We need for to, to create platforms, right, for folks like you to say it more. The other thing, Diamond, um, that I, I pulled out of um, your earlier response was, you know, we talk about these alternative response models are on the anti-police terror project we have an alternative response model we respond to mental health crisis uh, substance abuse and intimate partner violence and these programs you're seeing are springing all over springing up all over the country right Just despite the defund backlash um those programs have have really taken a stronghold and are growing 
what specific lens, what conversations need to happen to make sure that these programs are properly responsive um, when the crisis involves trans bodies? First of all, we have to understand that these these are projects. They're going to be growing. They're going to be shifting. They're going to be changing. And if we have that mindset, think about like when we think about reparations. We want reparations to come. We want abolition to come. But we're not there yet. How do we get there in a way that keeps us safe until we get to the ideal? <laughs> we are not at the ideal yet. Ideal is all prisons are gone. Yes, but we're not there yet. And as a black trans woman who, as we can tell by this database, is susceptible to violence. Yes, I, I want prisons not to exist. I want other alternative programs, but we ain't figured those out. So so until we get them, uh, the dudes who are harming me, abusing me, and killing me, you know, trying to kill me, killing my girls, blah, 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 they need to be somewhere exiled. <laughs> and sometimes the prison is where it needs to be done. And until we figure out the best way to restore them into being healthy men in society that are not killing women, not beating women, not training, um, killing trans women, until we do that, we do need a place to put them. And, but I'm all down for the process. We have to be on the process in creating. I don't want to just sit and say, oh, we got to have prisons. No, we got to figure out the process. And that's where we are right now, figuring out the process. And I don't think people have that conversation enough because as a black trans woman, there, I don't feel safe with some of these programs because if a cis dude who don't like me, who, who is thinking like Dave Chappelle is, is running these programs, I'm not going to be safe there. Mm. I'm not going to mm. be safe in those spaces. I'm not, there's not going to be restorative justice that is geared towards me as a black trans woman, as, as a black cis woman. If you got this misogynistic man or these misogynistic people with these or this misogynistic woman who uphold pillars of patriarchy, if she's running it, she might not respect a sex worker who is um, who's being abused by a pimp. Well, why are you out there? Do you see what I'm saying? It, it, it you have to have the you have to have a wide range of. Um, uh, this is a multifaceted problem, so you're going to need a multifaceted solution. And that's going to have to include people who you may not agree with politically, who you may not agree with on an ideological level. But we're trying to, we're, we have to be in the process of learning and shifting so we can get to the ideal goal that we both have. We may not, we may not be agreed on, um, we, we agree on the goal, but we may not agree on how to get there. But we still have to, but that shouldn't stop us and paralyze us. We just have to work together in the open communication is the, the key to get there. Yeah, I, mean, I, I would agree with that, that as we're going through this process, some folks need to be sitting somewhere. I, I'd push pretty hard that not in prisons and jails. And the reason why I say that is because prisons and jails don't make anybody healthier. Almost everybody that goes to prisons and jails come home. They're the most violent institutions in the world, and they just teach people to be more violent, right? Um Diamond. Yeah, but uh, then you have a situation oh, like ahead. in Dallas with Malaysia Booker. You have a situation like in Dallas with Malaysia Booker. She was attacked on camera. It went viral. Then a month later, she was murdered. The dude who got a, got away with her attacking, not got away with her murder, but got away with her attacking, went on to abuse a, and kill a cisgender woman a year later. And he was locked up for... <laughs> the, the the killing of Malaysia Booker and got held accountable with that, he wouldn't have killed her. 
So it's hard for me. I, I don't want prisons to exist, but until we have some alternative that works, I gotta I gotta use that. I gotta use it. It's it's a hard choice, but I gotta use it. Like I'm a Texan. I own guns. If somebody come in my house, I, I want gun regulation. I want I want to be able to protect myself. Yeah, I mean, well, there you, you're not going to get in an argument with me there. I, I am a gun owner myself. I think one of the most ludicrous things uh, ever is to tell, you know, black folks that we should not own guns, particularly when I go to the range and I see, I see what, you know, white folks, the, the grandma, the grandpa, the auntie, the uncle, the baby, you know, all of them. Um, uh-huh. I'm training. We, I, we live in America. So, and, and like I said at the beginning of this conversation, we're hunted. I want to continue. I'm going to have you back because I want to I want to continue to have this conversation. I feel like you and I could get real with each other and, and it'd be respectful. Um, and I think that, you know, in our movements, right, we've got to find a way to talk about uh, when ideology collides with reality, right, and what we do with that reality um, right. in, in terms of being responsive to what the people need. You know, Minister um, Huey P. Newton uh, really talked about dialectical materialism and really pushed the concept even even further. Um, and and the, 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 one of the most important principles of that, right, is that your organizing tactics shift with the conditions, not your ideology, and that you meet the people where they're at, not where you want them uh, t- t- to be. Um, right. Diamond, we just got, um, I-, I got like 60 seconds with you left. I just want, what is the last thing you want to leave our listeners with? We have to work together. We got to stay out of our silos. Look, when we, when, because we are being attacked left and right from different avenues. I do not have a uterus. I do not have any skin in the game when it comes to Roe versus Wade. But I know that if they come after the agency of the bodies of cis women, trans men, um, non-binary people who who can birth people, let I know if they come out the after the agency of your body, they will come after the agency of mine. So yes, I mean that may not affect me, but I'm still going to support you, not censor myself but support you in what you need for me to help you. We have to come out of our silos. There, there is a connection between voter suppression. There's a connection between reproductive justice and there's a connection between trans rights. And we have to find a, a Venn diagram where we all meet at the middle and we can work on what we agree on to battle the, 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 the war that's coming ahead. We have to get out of our silos and work, work not across the aisle, but work in our own community on this side of the aisle to do what we need to do to shift this culture. We have to get out of our silos, and I see that as a problem. All right, Diamond, me and you going to chat again. Thank you so much for joining us this morning and for your work. Diamond Styles is the editorial consultant on Insider's recent investigative series on anti-trans violence called Deaths in the Family. Uh, she is also a black trans activist and executive director of Black Trans Women, Inc. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam.